welcome to episode 105 of Retro Encounter, RPG Fans Weekly Off-Topic Podcast. I'm your host for this week, Alana Hayes, and it's a two-man show this week, so we've got um, myself, and I'm joined by Peter Treisenberg. Hey guys, I have Fury on the board. So, both of us, a couple of months ago, you might have remembered that we were on a podcast together called The Ultimate Weapons with uh, Mike Salosi and Robert Fenner, and... We had a real blast on that show, and it got me thinking throughout the episode and afterwards, there's kind of an antithesis to um, Ultimate Weapons as well, so, you know, you might want to take on the final boss with the Ultimate Weapon, or, I don't know, um, I was going to say Ultimate Weapon as well again, but they're the same thing. But um, this week, we are looking at wacky weapons, so joke weapons, parody weapons, any kind of weapon that you look at, and it's either a play on a traditional weapon or it's something that you wouldn't really expect a standard weapon to be so umbrellas brooms anything like that anything that you can grab it's like zombie apocalypse if you grab something it's your weapon kind of thing that's how i always interpret joke weapons to be but um i always find them a nice break in an rpg where you're trying to destroy god or whatever and then you just pick it oh look here's a cd i'll just throw it at it or something but here we go so the kind of idea behind this is that we're just going to go over a couple of different ones that we remember in particular. We've done a little bit of research before the podcast to see what we like and what we dislike and everything, and really just go through it and see if we've got any fun memories with any of them. So I suppose, I mean, Peter, if you want to get started, what do you think like, was one of the more memorable uh, joke weapons for you? What am I, so what am, I, what am I favorite? This is the first thing that comes to mind whenever... Um... I think of joke weapons in RPGs. I think of um, uh, Kingdom Hearts uh, 358 over two days, um, where it was the DS entry in the Kingdom Hearts series. One of the two. It is the, the decent-ish one. But um, uh, in that game, uh, had a multiplayer mode where you could play as different members of the organization. And it had, so you had all 13 organization members, plus Xion, Plus Sora, Riku, so you know, and, and every single character in that game had a gag weapon of some sort. In some cases, they had multiple gag weapons. Um, but it just, and they were all based on their uh, their play style. So you had really funny things like um, that. Uh, so like Zemnis, the main villain from Kingdom Hearts Two. You play as you play as him in the normal game. He would do like dual wield lightsabers. Um, in the days when you give him his joke weapon, he has fans. <laughs> A Zigbar dual wields uh, pistols. In his joke weapon, he dual wields hair dryers. <laughs> hair dryers. <laughs> oh my god! I remember um, he had trumpets at some point, and I know that they make the noise. So when you fire yep, towards them, yeah. Yeah, just trumpets. Um, you can give Vexen like a pot lid. You can give Zexian a giant sandwich. Um, Axel will dual pizzas <laughs> instead of his shurikens. Oh wow. And of course, of course, uh, Ro- uh, Roxas gets an umbrella instead of his keyblade. Of course he does. Of course he does. I mean, keyblades are quite unusual weapons anyway. So it's like you know, yeah, you know, your RPGs go into places where fighting with umbrellas is more difficult than you know keyblades and stuff like that. But so your, your, stand, your standard weapon's already a giant key. So <laughs> you know, I just I'll just go go ham with it. <laughs> Yeah, because I was going to say, Kingdom Hearts doesn't really do joke weapons very often, does it? I can't really think of another entry in the series that runs away quite as particularly mm-hmm. as the multiplayer version of 358 over 2. And um, yeah, like I said, the key, the giant key already is kind of a suspension of disbelief moment, but fans are such a good staple on that every RPG ever has probably had a dual swords person with two fans. It's always really great. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, and then you have like. um. Yeah, you have like you have some like silly keyblade designs, but like um the Winnie the Pooh ones are often really funny. It's like one's like a giant like pot of honey on the end of a stick that you're hitting <laughs> with. But um, but then like then like the fighting with fans, like okay, so the fans are a joke weapon for Zenness, but they're Yukiko's main weapons, and I mean we she she can deal out some pain with those. Exactly. Yes, so, <laughs> one man's uh trash is another man's treasure? Question mark. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> Yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah, I do like how, and this is something I'll probably come back to later in the episode, I like how in some games that you have weapons that are used as joke weapons, but then in other RPGs that you have 
like the Yukiko example, she uses fans as her standard weapon and you just get different variants of them anyway. So it's always funny to see where RPGs tend to go with their standard weapons. And that's why it's called wacky weapons as opposed to joke weapons. So we can look at kind of the bizarre kind of equipment that characters tend to get, not just the silly like, oh, I have an umbrella instead of a sword for this one fight or whatever. But yeah. Persona kind of does that in a way too, because um, half of the equipment they'll get is like something they'd be able to get normally, like a baseball bat, or Kanji Kanji will use like a desk. <laughs> um, yeah, that, but that's that's like their starting equipment, and mm. not really a joke weapon so much as yeah, it makes sense. They don't have access to weapons yet; they just kind of brought what they could smuggle in. Yeah, so I remember that one of um, um, Yosuke's first weapons is a pair of spanners. And I yeah, remember exactly. having those for ages and thinking, am I ever going to get knives? Like, what's his actual real weapon? And it was, I was kind of like, oh, you know, it looked quite funny, but it makes sense because, you know, they're just teenagers and you can't really go around carrying um, real knives around the real world. So, yeah. Yeah, right. Hmm. And, then, and then in Persona 5, they literally just make it so like, yeah, because you, cause your, your cognition or whatever changes, so your fake toy weapons become real weapons. Uh, <laughs> metaverse and it's like oh well okay now we're, we're getting around this kind of kind of literally yeah exactly um persona 3 has a couple of joke weapons as well but the only one i can remember is um i can remember the toy bow that i can't remember her name oh, yeah. yeah the one yeah so one of them had like a toy bow that fired like stick on arrows and things like that um i think somebody I think had a gold... that's yukari yukari that's right yeah so um, I think someone had a golf club at one point. That might have been four as well. But um, just kind of, in some cases, they're usually like starting weapons, but in some cases they can be really powerful. But um, yeah, going back to Kingdom Hearts at the moment, like, it is really bizarre how joke weapons, it's like we say, like the giant key's already strange enough, so joke weapons don't really make it into it. And you were talking about some of the keyblade designs. Like, some of them are just impractical, like, probably when we touched on Ultima Weapon and Fenrir with how long they are and everything. They're just not yeah, really right. the most useful weapons to use. But even Donald and Goofy's weapons tend to have a fairly standard design to them. So it's nice that 358 over 2, after everything else that I dislike about it, has kind of pulled off the, okay, we're going to do this kind of thing. So that was good. Yeah, that, that, game, that game is, like, all kinds of clunky and... <laughs> trying to play an action game on a, on a DS's D-pad is yeah. an exercise frustration. But, uh, the, yeah, the joke weapons were funny. <laughs> yeah. So they were they only available in multiplayer as well? I th- yeah, because you could only play as the organization members in all multiplayer, couldn't yeah. you? I, I think you can, you can like, do the multiplayer quest by yourself, but it's, it's um, like, but uh, it's, it's like they boost all the enemy's health because it's designed for multiplayer. Yeah. So, I wouldn't really, yeah, I don't think it's recommended. You can mess around with them, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, no, I wouldn't recommend doing multiplayer on your own. Um, but I suppose we'd better jump uh, ship from one flagship Square series to another in that Final Fantasy is probably going to come up, and it definitely is. So the um, biggest example that I could think of is, quite famously, um, Gilgamesh's sword Excalibur which in itself is a pun on Excalibur. Um, the weapon description in Final Fantasy V is legendary holy sword can be used two-handed and that basically sums it up. So Gilgamesh, everybody knows, is this wonderful comical character who in some games wants to be the greatest swordsman ever, in others he's called Greg. So Final Fantasy XIV reference, my favourite. Um, but um, really? <laughs> Yeah, so um, aside side minute, um there's a side quest with a character called Hillbrand. I don't know if you know him. He's um, got the yeah, monocle. Yeah, so he occasionally calls Gilgamesh Greg because he doesn't know how to say his name. So it's kind of stuck with me. Okay. Yeah. That's so, kind of fantastic. Yeah. Basic, but inoffensive. Um, so Gilgamesh is kind of characterized by this sword called Excalibur. And of course, everyone will know Excalibur is usually one of the best weapons in the game. Like a nine, it's Steiner's best weapon. So... Excalibur is exactly what it says, really. So it's not very good. Um, I mean, he uses it against X-Death, but X-Death seems to better him. Excalibur then is then acquired, I think, after you defeat him towards the end of the game. 
uh, the battle power is very high. So it's, for example, it's got like a, in Final Fantasy V, it's got like a base attack of, I don't know, like maybe 80 or 90, I can't remember. Um, but it doesn't do any more than one damage. So the stat doesn't actually affect anything that you can do at all. So it's completely useless. But um, the only other thing, I mean, some of these weapons have some uses. So I'm looking here and there's, I didn't, I'm about halfway through Final Fantasy V. I couldn't get much further than it. Um, it's useful when you're trying to grind for AP because there are enemies that only have one HP and you can use that. And it's got it's got an 100% hit rate as well. So you can kill this enemy in one hit, guaranteed, and then get loads of AP from it. Um, oh, yeah. And so another thing that it's really good with is um, with a Goblin Punch. Um, so you can use Goblin Punch instead of the Attack Command. Um, you can it does more damage while you're using that move and also if you've got a ninja if you throw it it does do 9999 so it's not totally useless but i feel like excalibur excalibur couldn't go unnoticed really because gilgamesh is such an iconic character and i'm about to fight him in final fantasy 12 and it's gonna be yeah right movies. yeah so i mean it appears throughout the series pretty much and the only other specific time i can remember it is um in Final Fantasy, oh no, there's two references. So Final Fantasy VIII has some very bizarre summons, and Excalibur makes an appearance with Gilgamesh because you can actually summon Gilgamesh by random, I believe. So he will use one of four swords at random. Some of them can do instant death. Some of them are extremely powerful. But obviously, if you get Excalibur, that's a summon wasted and one damage dealt to the enemy. So yeah, not good. Yeah, the, yeah. The Excalibur ends up becoming like Gilgamesh is almost like a signature, like yeah. If it's like um in a in World of Final Fantasy, um that ends that that that's also a running gag of his. Um, which is funny too because in that game he sounds like like Toshiro Mifune. Um, he's like <laughs> running around, he's like running around doing this. He's ch- he's like Bartsu trying <laughs> trying, to, trying, to, trying to challenge Bartsu to a duel, and every time he like screws up and does the Excalibur and does the Excalibur attack. That's also one of his like summons if you decide to use him in his attacks if you fight him. And it's just like it's just it's just ridiculous. But it's it's a lot of fun too, because that kind of adds to like Gilgamesh's kind of like bumbling nature. <laughs> that is very good. I didn't I'd forgotten that he popped up in a World of Final Fantasy having played it last year and Yeah. But that was a game. <laughs> it was a game. It was okay. Um, but the other time I remember it is Final Fantasy IX. Um, I haven't done this myself, but with the recent PS4 re-release, it might be doable. Um, so there's obviously the thing called the Excalibur 2 run, and you get Excalibur 2 if you complete get to the final dungeon in like 13 hours or something ridiculous like that. Um, when you get to the Excalibur 2, um, there's a note from Gilgamesh's kind of demon, demon friend slash chicken, green chicken, um, Enkido, and the note makes a reference to um, Brother Gil and how the person who wrote the note found both Excalibur 2 and Excalibur, and then Gilgamesh would like Excalibur 2, but he took the wrong sword instead, so the reason Excalibur 2 has been left in the final dungeon is because he made a mistake, pretty much. So, Gilgamesh is just a barrel of laughs, really. I really really enjoy him, but Battle of the Big Bridge has been redone so many times. <laughs> Yeah, it really has. That's kind of that's kind of like uh, if there's any one song that in Final Fantasy that's kind of been overdone that isn't One Winged Angel. Hmm. Um, it might be Battle on the Big Bridge. Yeah, I mean the Keiichi Okabe re, re um reimagining of it for the episode Gladio was fantastic. So yeah, that that version's really good, and it's so weird because they take Gilgamesh completely seriously. Oh yeah, no, I'm so disappointed in that. So. I was. I'm assuming that Scalapur doesn't come up because he's like a statue. If I, he looks really great, and I'm expecting all this red and flourishing armor and massive swords and chicken and everything like that, and I don't get it. And it's like, yeah, no, and and Kidu's like a um, like a dragon thing, and then uh, Gilgamesh is just played completely serious. Hmm. As like, I, I don't know. It's like it's that. It's just it's a funny like weird little weird little touch with like this joke character is all of a sudden like like take me seriously <laughs> I'm gonna give you a scar that's so disappointing and I think 
it would have been nice to have a bit of a light moment with Gladio who has kind of such a he's kind of the dad of the group anyway he's kind of Mm -hmm. got a slightly gruffer exterior than the rest of them so it would have been nice if he was going on this grand quest to fight some warrior and it was just like Gilgamesh and his little chicken like oh sorry but alas alas Hmm. Fifteen itself has has gotten its fair share of weird joke weapons through the DLC add-ons. Oh, okay. Because I don't think there were any in the ma- the base game, but they've added in some pretty weird ones, like um, uh, the Afro Sword. Okay. Um. So if you if you do those timed quests, they've been adding in. You earn like an in-game currency that can be spent on various rewards, and one of them is the Afro Sword. Which is based on that uh, that DJ they got to compose for the game Afrojack. Uh, oh um, yes, and it is a giant soundboard. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. That's... So you get to literally kill your enemies with dubstep. Excellent. That is a very oh. useful thing to know. It does. It does. It does. It doesn't help that the music that plays during the time quest is horrendous. <laughs> like it is actual agony to listen to <laughs> so it's like is it a good sword though or is it just kind of you know? um i don't know i haven't gotten it because every time i try to do one of the time quests the, the music kicks in and i like go into a seething pit <laughs> <laughs> oh dear but no. That's not true. i think they may they may have like they may have changed it so that the beginning part's a little shorter because the actual like mix is okay but mm. i don't know i've only done a couple of the time quests so, uh, <laughs> Uh, it's basically just like a bunch of enemies spawn in the world go kill them yeah no i haven't touched any of them um but i suppose staying with final fantasy um one thing i did want to bring up was final fantasy 4 and it's maybe not strictly a weapon but one of the characters edge has as i've already referenced a throw ability um and there's this (laughs) particular side quest um that you can get a spoon for and the spoon is actually the best throwing weapon in the game, and it does the most damage. It does more damage than any of the swords. It does, uh, maybe it's maybe not as much as some of the swords, but it definitely does the most damage out of all of the main throwing weapons, like the shurikens and things like that. And I don't know whether it's a reference to Edward, but every time I just think of the localization from 1991 and just think, spoonie bard? Like, throwing the spoonie bard thing. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Who knows? Exactly. Um, also, a bit more recent, but remember the like kind of terrible sequel that they did to Final Fantasy Four, as in the After Years. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> so apparently, there is a joke item that um, you can trade in for um, in the final chapter, and it permanently boosts your MP. Um, and it's a porno. So there's that at least. But yeah. Wait, what is it? It's a porno, so it's called Lost for Lolly Ho. Um, it's a junk oh item. <laughs> it's, yeah, so you can permanently boost your MP by 50. So, you know, it's going all Metal Gear Solid on me, but, you know. I mean, the problem with that is that you have to actually play the after years. You'd have to, I, yeah. You'd have I'm to. not sure I would want to subject anyone oh, to that. Oh, do you know, I tried to play them when they first came out. When they came out as episodic on the Wii. And I, re- oh, wow. yeah, I bought one episode and was like, no, this is not right. There was, I just, yeah. yeah. I held out for the PS. I, I played it on PSP in the, the complete collection, and I honestly don't know why I bothered. Like, because, <laughs> like, because no, it's it's like it's like oh yeah, they made a four sequel now. That's kind of interesting, right? No, we took the the maps from four and like reused all the assets and just kind of like just put you in this completely like nonsense story oh god and then and then the final the final section is like a boss rush against old final fantasy bosses like they can't even do that right oh boy yeah so you play through the whole thing i didn't play through the whole thing no i i just looked it i just looked it up like (laughs) i was like god i think yeah i think i gave up somewhere in the middle of a golbez's chapter because that's another thing it's it's all split up in chapters, and all the characters have their own things. So it's not even like a cohesive RPG. It's just like oh, a bunch of small, like one-off things. I get. I guess if there's like one saving grace, it's um, holy, holy dragoon Kane. I guess like that's kind of cool. Mm, I guess his little, like 
his equivalent of Cecil's paladin. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's too little, too late, I guess. Oh no, I, I don't think I could put myself through it, especially when I like Final Fantasy IV so much. So I yeah, think it's worth it. Um, going back to Final Fantasy V really quickly, I've just remembered there's a weapon. There are two counterpart weapons. So one of them's a normal weapon, which is the best sword in the game. It's called the Brave Sword, which basically gets weaker every time you run away. So there's an opposite to it called the Chicken Knife. And <laughs> so it starts off at one, I believe, but every time you run away, it gets more powerful. The only downside to it is that it can force you to flee out of battles and the maximum attack you can get out of it is 127, but it's also based on your agility stat, I believe, as well. So if you've got a character who's got really high agility, then it's an insanely good weapon, like an archer. So you can use some of their abilities to negate the automatic runaway as well. So it's just... Yeah, so I think that was a quite neat thing. Um, I like weapons that power up through kind of outside means like the blood sword obviously takes hp off of enemies and drains it and things like that it's just really interesting but um i mean the big joke weapon i don't know whether you want to go on an ad lib about this is kind of the final fantasy 7 ones and that's one of the ones that immediately came to mind when i was thinking up this list so there are some particularly good ones on the final fantasy 7 joke list yeah, like- the, the nail bat. <laughs> Everyone remembers the nail bat. Everyone remembers killing their first Marlboro with a nail bat, I think. Cloud was prepared for the zombie apocalypse before anybody else was. Mm, he totally was, before he had his meltdown as well. So, I mean, at least you get another sword before then, but... Nah. Yeah, so there were a couple of things. So Ares had an umbrella. Tifa had some gardening gloves, which, you know, works. They're pretty that durable. Yeah, they're durable. Um... Barrett has a rocket punch, so you know, like the boxing glove on the spring. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Um, so, so wait, so wait, wait, wait. So what you're saying is that Barrett is um is snake. He's he's a yeah solid. He yeah, has a rocket. <laughs> yeah, he, he totally does. But it's on a spring, so it's like one of those toy ones you get with the gun. But it's just on my arm, apparently. But yeah, <laughs> um, you forgets like a beach ball, I think, and. Vincent has a squirty gun and Sid has a mop so yeah and then I've got here that Kate Sith and I don't remember Kate Sith he gets a shell like a conch but then I had to think for a minute and I was thinking Kate Sith fights with megaphones anyway so it's like what's redundant like the yeah conch... he's kind of he's kind of a ridiculous character to begin with <laughs> exactly so the stuff Moogle fights with or stuff Mog as Seven is localized um, has megaphones where you shout commands into it. I don't even, do you know what? I still don't really know how the megaphone works, even 20 years after Final Fantasy VII came out. Yeah, I can't say. I, uh, the- I, I, I haven't played I haven't played Seven in a while. I, I, have, I have it on PS4, so maybe I should actually like, go back to it before the remake comes out. But, um... <laughs> yeah. If that, I, that's, a, that's, a, that's a big, that's a big wait, so I'll have plenty of time. But um, <laughs> oh god, what am I thinking? I I just I just yeah, Kate Kate Sith is such a bizarre character. It's like and he already and his default weapon's already a megaphone. So like okay, see how do you uh, up joke that? Okay, I guess you get seashell. Sure, why why not? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are some standard characters in. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think there are many in Final Fantasy that have bizarre weapons anyway. And my first thinking is always towards the Tales series, which I know you don't have much experience with, but there are, there's at least one character in every game that has a bizarre or odd weapon, so Yeah, right. Yeah, so, I'll start with Tales of Destiny and I believe she's an optional character. I just need to get her name. She's the main character's sister. Um, uh, She uses a ladle, a kitchen ladle, as a weapon. So, oh, okay. That yeah, I believe I've never played Tales of Destiny because it never came out over in Europe. So, Lilith, Lilith Ileron. So, I think she's a spellcaster. That would make sense. Yeah, yeah. She uses a kitchen ladle and a frying pan in the PS2 version of the so the re-release. But originally, she just uses rods and quarterstaffs. But I think kitchen ladle is more important. Completely. Yeah. <laughs> so. 
other sort of standard weapons something that's really popular in the whole series is books and cards so Hilda in Rebirth and Sheena in Symphonia use cards and I think Hilda just uses them for magical purposes but Sheena literally fights with them like they're tiny little knives so she's Sheena's a ninja basically so she holds them between her fingers and basically slices through enemies with cards and I didn't think of it as weird at the time because she uses them as summoning seals as well so she can summon creatures out of them and summon kind of summoning circles but just when I replayed it a couple of years ago it was just like why you're a ninja kind of thing there's so many more interesting weapons that you can use I guess she's a ninja. She can turn anything into a weapon. Yeah. And there are, like, joke weapons in that game anyway in Symphonia. So her joke weapon is a money bag. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I don't really know. I don't know how she's using that. It's just like, is it notes? Is it just a bag of notes? I have no idea. I think they make um, a coin noise as well when you hit enemies with them. So I don't remember specifically. Looks like you're hitting him with a Scrooge McDuck uh, money pit or something. Like pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. Um, but there are other weapons as well in that game. Uh, the joke weapons are standard, so... Um, uh, the only ones I can remember is that Lloyd, who is a dual swordsman, gets fans. Colette gets tambourines, which is quite cool. So she has chakra, which are like throwing rings, and she gets tambourines okay. as her joke weapons, and I think that's really, really cute. And then another character who's got a bizarre standard weapon is Genus, and he uses a ball and cup toy called a Kendama. Now, I feel like RPG's excuses for, oh, they're a magic user, so they can have whatever they want is kind of appropriate, but... Yeah, right. He, like, juggles it around to cast magic spells and that, so... Yeah, I don't actually remember what his specific joke weapon was, but it was probably, like a table tennis bat or something like that but yeah I mean there are some standard weird like they kind of stick to the basic kind of jokey weapons in that series which is quite cool but sometimes the standard weapons are just more amusing so Rita uses a piece of fabric as a weapon in Vesperia it's not even like a whip it's literally a piece of stretchy fabric and books are a standard thing as well so um, in one of the more recent ones, uh, Magalu uses books. So in Berseria, she uses books. But that's that's more normal, I think. I'm used to that because of Castlevania. I think throwing Bibles around has made me like immune to book-wielding things. But Tails has some interesting interpretations in weapons sometimes. Oh, and Anis in From Abyss uses a giant doll. So everyone will know that she uses she rides a big stuffed doll, and that's her weapon. Well, no, her weapon's a rod. But she rides a doll, and that does most of her attacking. So, yeah. All right, all right, fair enough. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, yeah, tales. Yeah, Sorry, I'm not terribly familiar with tales, so I'm, I, I'm, uh, but yeah, that sounds about right for what I have seen from the series. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So one of my favorites is um from Exilia. I think it's in the sequel as well, Exilia Two. And I don't, I know you didn't like Exilia very much, but I know, I don't know if you knew or know of Tipo, the little stuffed doll that. One of the girls. Oh, yeah. I, I got to him, yeah. Good. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, Jude fights with fists, and his joke weapon is two giant Tipo mittens. And every <laughs> time you attack enemies, it comes out. I think it comes out with phrases for what Tipo says or something like that. But that was one of my favorites okay, in that good. series. Yeah, it was quite a nice, cute nod to previous games and things like that. Um, and also, there's, <laughs> there's a side quest in Exilia 2 um, where you have to. You have your cat and you have to send him out to go and find other cats and if you get certain areas have certain items hidden and each area has a weapon for the main character hidden so the main character of Exilia 2 switches between three different weapons so he has a hammer daggers and guns and three of these items are these weapons fashioned after the cat Rolo so they're like you get knives in the shape of a cat you get pistols in the shape of Rolo and you get a hammer in the shape of Rolo as well and I've got a lot of time for those weapons. I had the Rolo blasters for ages. They were so great. Oh yeah, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. I mean, like a knife shaped like a cat. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> I should get as bad as Rolo. <laughs> 
yeah so the tail series has some wacky weapons anyway um definitely would point you towards that but um i suppose what else is there i'm trying to think of other big series have you got any other ideas or i've got one so so alana i I heard you like skies of arcadia oh no you're stealing it no (laughs) oh oh, am i stealing it well i was i was trying to lead it in so you could talk about it (laughs) (laughs) okay you can talk about it i know what you're gonna bring up though so it's good i had it already but go for it Okay, go go for it. It's a test. <laughs> but, um, so, yeah, so, well, okay, I do like Skies of Arcadia, so thanks for leading me on to that. I was trying to avoid bringing it up now, but there are two weapons, only for the main two characters, weirdly enough. Um, I mean, we'll go into Cupel anyway, because are you aware of uh, the, like, little blobby alien that travels around with Fina called Cupel? Uh, not really. I haven't. I haven't played Skies of Arcadia. That's that's been on my. That's been one of my like white whales for yeah. a while. Oh, I really hope they re-release it. But anyway, I'm not going to talk about. It. Um. So yeah, Cupel's like a little pet that Fina has. So Fina's from some different nation, and she has like a little alien blob called Cupel, and you have to feed him like ancient rocks called Chams, and depending on how many you give him, or whenever you give him, like there are two different types. So there's normal Chams and Abric Chams. And the average okay. chams kind of like evolve him or take him down a different path. So it's like a weapons grid. So you can go and evolve him to a knife or if you want, you can evolve him into a cone. So depending on how many chams he's eaten, he will morph into a different shape to attack enemies. So he'll be a spearhead at one point. I'm pretty sure his ultimate weapon is just a giant version of himself. So he's definitely a bizarre weapon for series standard. Um, but I think what you're referring to are the two weapons for the main characters, as I sort of briefly mentioned yep. before getting sidetracked. So there are two, depending on what versions you've got, there are two ways of getting these weapons. So in the Dreamcast version, you had to download it with the VMU, which is the little mel- um, little memory card that you had plugged into the Dreamcast controller, where you could play around and play the mini game with Pinter and things like that. So um, these weapons are the Tuna Cutlass and the swirlmerang and so the way you get them in the gamecube version is a lot more interesting and a lot more complicated so there's a side quest um i may well have referred to this in the ultimate weapons um podcast because you had to do this to get the ultimate weapon um you have to do the bounty hunts and there's a particular bounty hunt called vice the imposter which is uh three people imposter imposing as Vice, Aika, and Fina called Vise, Anita, and Fina, I think. And that fight is an absolute nightmare. So the bosses and the super bosses in Skies of Arcadia are really difficult, especially because they level up with you. So it doesn't matter whether you're level 20 or 40, they will still match your attack and defense power. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not a case of over leveling. It's Sometimes it's a case of getting better armor for definite, but yeah, it's a pretty tough fight. It's definitely one of the harder ones of those. And as a reward, you get the Tuna Cutlass and the Swarmerang. And the Tuna Cutlass is, as you would expect, one of them is a knife which you cut fish with. And I think he also holds a tuna as well. So he holds, um, yeah, so a giant fish and a gutting knife as his secondary sword. Um, They have ridiculously low accuracy, but they have one of the highest attack powers in the entire game. It's not really worth it, though, because the evasion rate in Skies of Arcadia is quite ridiculous sometimes. Um, Which is sad, but it's always amusing to see a Sky Pirate carrying a fish around. Um, Especially when you think that the fish in Skies of Arcadia all fly, and this one doesn't. But, yeah. Um, but the Swalmerang is sort of more interesting because I don't know whether you could like figure it out. Did you know what it? Did you know what it was before reading up about it, or is this kind of the first time you've come across it? Kind of the first time I've come across it. Um, is, is, are, is, are these exclusive to the GameCube version, or were they? Was there a way to get them in the Dreamcast version too? Yeah. So sorry, I think I said um, you could download them using the memory card on the Dreamcast version, but you had it's... to do a seat super boss to get them in the GameCube version. Yeah. So you could get them in both. All right. Well, that that, that is interesting. Yeah. Kind of a different different way for uh, a game for a game from that time. 
Exactly. Um, but yeah, the swell meringue is a giant lollipop, so it doesn't even look like a boomerang. And again, boomerangs are not really a standard RPG weapon anyway, but um, yeah, it's a giant pink and white lollipop that um, Ica throws at enemies. Uh, this has got the complete opposite. So whereas Vice's Tuna Cutlass has the high, one of the highest attacks, Ica's lollipop has the lowest attack, but has an 100% chance of hitting and has an 100% chance of causing panic, which is the equivalent of confuse in this game. So it can be very useful. Um, it just doesn't do a lot of attack, but if you're against really high enemies, causing confuse and forcing them to attack each other is really handy. Right, yeah. Uh, sounds like it could be useful. It definitely makes the joke at weapons that actually have some utility. Yeah. I think that's a really nice change of pace. Mm, they always kind of, with most of them I've seen, they always give it like one really good part and then like a drawback. Like It's like if you put like a cursed armlet on, like, oh, your attack power's doubled, but you can't use magic kind of thing. That's always really handy. Um, yeah, this was my this was my weekly Skies of Arcadia reference. Um I didn't cause it to happen, so you can definitely not hold it against me. Um, but some other game you were, we were bringing, we were talking before the podcast about a game that came out a couple of years ago, um, Pillars of Eternity, and that had a pretty yeah unique one. Yeah, so I actually I wanted I want to mention this because I haven't played Pillars of Eternity, but it does bring up something about um joke weapons that I do find interesting, um from a design standpoint, which is um items that are fundamentally useless but kind of build up a mystique about them. <laughs> yeah. um, so before I, before I get into Pillars of Eternity, I wanted to mention um, the Pendant from Dark Souls, which um, which isn't um, it isn't a weapon, but it was something, it's one of the items you can get at the beginning as like your gift, um, uh, the item you get to take at the start of the game. And uh, the director of Dark Souls, uh, the uh, Miyazaki, was like, um, he said in an interview that that was his favorite item to start with. And because of that, the whole fan base, the whole community was like, oh, what does the pendant do? It must have some kind of like secret, secret like use. It's got to be, it's got to be. It's, it's Miyazaki's favorite item. And um, when you get it, it doesn't do anything. And so they're like, maybe you have to, you have to find a certain location in the game or no. No, <laughs> the pendant is actually useful. He came out a few months after release and was like, <laughs> Brilliant. Um, um, and I, I just think that's kind of, I think that's hilarious. And, um, uh, the Pillars of Eternity has an item uh, called the Disappointer, um, and it's a pistol that has bad stats, and um, its whole background is just talking about how terrible the weapon is, and it makes fun of anyone who holds on to it to see if it has secret potential or not, because it doesn't. It's just a bad weapon. <laughs> in the game solely to make fun of bad weapons and I just I don't know I just think that's brilliant that's very good I was very impressed with that when you found that I think the disappointer is a great weapon definitely go out of my way to find that one I think but yeah Pillars is a really good game and I think people should play it because CRPGs are kind of not forgotten but they've had their glory day and to see Pillars of Eternity and Divinity come out and just kind of wow everybody is a really nice thing so this is my plug for Divinity and Pillars of Eternity to go and play them, for definite. Um, but I'm going to jump to Zelda now, because I completely forgot that there are some really unique ways to kill enemies, and also, I mean, I when I was researching for the podcast, the first way I came up about it, and this is kind of off on a tangent, does that, like, did you ever play Soul Calibur 2 on the, the GameCube with um, Link? With Link, yeah, I did. Yeah, so one for each character you get multiple weapons and you can buy them and one of Link's weapons is the bug net and you can fight enemies with the bug net and it's I think it's a marvelous it's a fairly good weapon and then I've dug into the bug net a little bit more to see if it'd been used throughout the Zelda games but it has and actually um the link to the past you can actually deflect the final boss's attacks with the butterfly net so he does like <laughs> projectile attacks that you can use the butterfly net against and it will work so that's really really interesting i think that's mainly the kind of only thing unless it's been used in breath of the wild which i am not like not far I, enough in i think i think secret utilities for the bug net have sort of become a running gag in the series but mm. there's one um, 
there's one. One of my favorites is in Twilight Princess. Um, it was a glitch, but you can, um, if you pull out the fishing rod during the final Ganondorf fight, Ganon, Ganondorf will stop what he's doing and just stare at it. <laughs> like That's amazing! He it's, it's hilarious. Like he will, like literally, the fight just kind of stops. Dramatic music still playing. You'll just be standing up at the fishing rod, and Ganondorf's just like, <laughs> and um, and it's, it's actually useful because when you put away the fishing rod, he actually stays still for a few seconds, so you can run in and get a couple hits in. And I've seen people beat the final boss that way. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure if they kept kept that in the recent uh the Wii U HD version. But um, it was definitely present in the Wii version, and it's hilarious. <laughs> that is fantastic. Good grief. So, fishing rod, the deadliest of weapons. The fishing rod is the deadliest of weapons, and it's finally got a use in an RPG, which is great. Rather than just fishing. Well, not even an RPG, but whatever. Um, yeah, because. so... <laughs> um, so I know Breath of the Wild uses kind of um, survival tactics, so... I know you have um, skeleton arms, which you can use, but as far back as Ocarina of Time, you could use Deku sticks as attacks, mm -hmm. and you could use to use them to light torches. But basically, if you use them to attack anybody, they would break in one hit. And um, again, digging into things a little bit more in Link's Awakening, the shovel also deflects this um, the Dark Wizard's projectiles, but the boomerang can kill him in one hit. One hit. <laughs> which is amazing like I love how people find out these things as well they're just kind of messing around and I know they're not strictly weapons or anything but at least the power-ups and the things that Link picks up you know they're utilized but it just makes me laugh and I do like the bug net thing I think that's really really funny but obviously bottles are a long standing tradition in the series as well they used to deflect and capture things but Zelda, you never cease to amaze me. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Uh, on the on the subject of boomerangs, um, uh, I, I remember an old uh, Spoonie experiment video about um a game called Ultima Runes of Virtue, um, and that was that was an attempt to bring the Ultima series to the Super Nintendo, and um, it was a very it's a terrible game. Like it's um, it's just kind of a bad action adventure game, but um with like terrible hit detection and no indication that you're getting hit um until you until you just lose health and die so um the best weapon in that game to circumvent this problem is just the dual wield boomerangs um right so you can do you can do that or you can equip sure shurikens which for some reason fly out of your character's butt <laughs> um <laughs> Right. I, I have no explanation for this. That's just how it works. Um, shurikens only attack from like behind you, and uh, yeah, it's like coming out your butt. <laughs> Amazing! So you have two boomerangs coming out your butt, basically. So you'll be chucking a, bro a bro boomerang one way and having a shuriken coming out the other way. <laughs> that is painful. That's not something I thought I'd be hearing. Well, I don't. I don't want to think about how you're storing that. <laughs> <laughs> that is good grief. So as far back as the SNES, we are taking things here. Oh my god. Um. So yeah, I'm gonna go back as far as the SNES as well and go for Earthbound, which again has kind of like with Persona has basic standard everyday items as a standard weapon. So people, if they're not familiar with Earthbound and probably played Smash Bros and seen that. Ness uses a baseball bat as a standard weapon. There is a particular baseball bat called the Casey bat in Earthbound, so it has a very low hit chance. Um, it depends on the strength of the enemy and the number of party members you've got. So if you've only got one party member, it's almost guaranteed going to miss. But when it does hit, right. it definitely it has the highest attack power in the game. So when it does hit, it, it's like a kind of home run and apparently it's a shout out to a baseball poem called Casey at the bat and the line Casey swings hard but strikes out so it checks your attack power when you so there's a system in earthbound where if you run into an enemy and you're too powerful for it you won't even have to fight it so it'll basically do an auto win which is a really really good thing and more games should do that and so if you've got this bat on then nine times out of ten you're not going to have to fight anything which is always really really handy 
um yeah so it's a, it kind of increases that chance but um i mean jeff uses bottle rockets as a standard weapon um and right. ray guns as well uh i don't remember what pa- paulie uses frying pans that's right so there we go more cooking utilities so i think always get your uh, saucepans ready because that's kind of the thing that i would go to if i had a uh, burglar in my house i think i'd grab a saucepan so i think that's definitely very me um but mother three does something as well with joke weapons so it's got a move called honey shower and it what it does is it basically covers your opponents in honey and they get mobbed by bees but it's not very good but maybe like one in 50 times a bear will come as well and will kill them i kill the enemy so mother is just a (laughs) bundle of joy um really is though mm, it really is i don't know if it translates in game as well but i know in smash bros lucas has a snake so as a grab so i'm assuming that he has it in mother 3 as well bring mother 3 over to bring it officially over please please nintendo please put it on the switch Put, put everything on the switch put everything on the switch um so Super Mario RPG has some other stuff as well so there's more armor than weapons I would say so we've kind of gone a bit off track but um, there is a piece of equipment called the Quartz Charm which you get from beating the Super Boss Culex which is a reference to Final Fantasy 4 and the Four Crystals and it boosts your attack and defense but it doesn't tell you that it does it so it just says something like it does nothing um, but it doubles your attack, doubles your offense, and protects against instant death. So, just kind of don't assume, I suppose, that items don't do anything, which is kind of difficult when you get things like baseball bats and things like that. Right. Yeah. Um. Mar- yeah, the Mario RPGs. That's another thing too, where it's like uh, so. Mar- where the, the default equipment options in those games are like. You give um, our like boots and hammers and kind of typical Mario fare as well, mm-hmm. but um, even then they manage to still kind of have some fun with it. Yeah, I think it gets away with it from the cartoony kind of um, cute side of things. The Mario RPGs were solid; really like them. Right. Um, yeah, they're quite a lot of fun. Yeah. Um. So I'm gonna go to Xenoblade now, so I'm gonna jump quite a way in the distance. Uh, the Xenoblade Chronicles. Yeah. Um. So there is a bonus boss. It's like a really long side quest that's a uh, level 78. There's a level 78 enemy at the end of the side quest. Um, and you get two different weapons from this side quest. And one of them is Ricky's best weapons. And the other one is something called the Monopon, which has got a damage range of 1-1. And it's got like a 30% critical hit rate. Um, Ricky has like some really big staffs anyway. So, I mean, I can't remember the specific weapon actually, but... I remember looking into it a little bit and thinking it was quite quirky. I mean, Ricky's a quirk anyway, so he gets away with a fair amount of things, I would say. Right. <laughs> but, yeah, Xenoblade doesn't really do joke weapons as much, and neither does Xenogears. They were kind of some of the things that I was trying to think of before the podcast. Monster Hunter does joke weapons, and I'm, Mike is probably going to shoot me down for this, because I don't really know much about the Monster Hunter series. So, the most obvious one that i heard of is called the melinx and they are stuffed animals so they have a very low damage output but they also paralyze nearly everything so they are very handy so they paralyze things it's only for like five or ten seconds i think but um it's very 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 useful uh yeah no kidding wow mm, uh, and there's also a popcorn gun um it's made out of a corn on the cob you know, yeah. If you want to take down giant dinosaurs with your giant pop, um, giant corn on the cob, then that would be really handy. Um, Doesn't make sense, yeah. Yeah, Monster Hunter is crazy in terms of size and flexibility. flexibility. Yeah, I would be very interested to see if uh, Monster Hunter World ends up getting some uh, some good uh, joke weapons because that game so looks pretty dang epic right now. Hmm. But uh, I would be interested to see what they can apply to that new style. Yes, yeah, so because Mike's not here, um, I'm going to stand in for him as well. And I'm sure he would throw this out. So in Ultimate Weapons, he came up with Disgaea. 
and I'm going to fill in dis- the Disgaea kind of bubble for him. So there is the most well-known one is the puppy paw stick. Um, so this is kind of a ridiculous looking weapon. It's just basically a puppy paw, but it grants the enemy 20% chance to steal anything when you defeat another enemy. Um, so it's really, really handy for when you're grinding, when you're trying to get duplicates and disguise a grind anyway. So I take anything that would give a higher percentage of stealing or getting equipment or anything like that. Um, Disgaea is crazy with the amount of stuff that it comes up with. Like, you have penguins in your army. <laughs> you have prinnies. I think that's enough to say, kind of, oh, look at us. Um, but Disgaea 4 as well um, has the puppy pull stick and it has a really kind of ridiculous way to get it. So you have to catch a basset, which I believe is a very, it's a, what it's called a tier six necromata. Um, I believe it's a very high ranking class member that you can catch. And also they come with a chest and you have to hope that it contains it. So it's got like a 10% or 5% drop rate or something like that. Um, yeah. Disgaea is very, very crazy. But, um, one thing I do, I think want to end the podcast on is again, slightly less weapony, um, is Castlevania and especially some of the more recent entries. So, Symphony oh yeah, the, the the Alucard gear. Yeah, so the Alucard gear. Um, do you wanna go for it or? Um, I'm, well, I'm I'm I uh, I was because we did that for the we did Symphony and I on a podcast uh, many moons ago, <laughs> um, as it were. And um, yeah, the Alucard equipment is like um, because there's the Alucard equipment, which is like Alucard's best gear, all the stuff he loses at the start of the game. Um, and the Alucard equipment is really bad. Um, it's like it's like your like jokes, but it's like the Excalibur basically. But um, it does have the side effect of boosting drop rates really well. So um, it actually can be used to get better gear. Um, in a, in a way, like get the Chrysogram or get um, uh, yeah, just just in, in general. It's so it's it's a it's bad gear that has a utility. Yeah, well, I mean, like the rods is on their own anyway, and we brought this up in the last in the Ultimate Weapons the. Shield yeah. rod is rubbish, but then when oh, you oh god, the shield of unstoppable death. <laughs> <laughs> but then when you put a shield on and you stand against, stand underneath Golgoroth or whatever the um ultimate sub boss is, he's dead in like ten seconds. It's ridiculous. But the rods don't ever make a comeback in the series, and I wonder if it's because I feel like they didn't bug test Symphony of the Night. Sometimes I love that game, but it's so exploitable. It's so. Oh, wonderful. I don't think they, I, I think Symphony of the Night is very much like a. Uh... A, a, a test run for that <laughs> style and a lot of why we love it is because of just how zany and busted it can get <laughs> mm, exactly um so in a couple of later games in the series uh the aria and dawn of sorrow um, duology in specific you have the ability to use monster souls as powers to use kind of like in replacement of alucard's magic or sub weapons and things like that so there is a particular enemy in these games called the waiter skeleton and the way they attack you is that they throw plates of curry at you. So when you have this as a particular ability, if you equip it and use it, that curry, you throw it at enemies and it doesn't do a lot of damage, but it acts as a landmine. So if somebody stands on the plate, it explodes. So it doesn't do loads of damage, but it's quite funny. And it's actually one of the rarest souls in the game to get. It's got a drop rate of like 0.5%. And I think it was the last one I got in my 100% run of Dawn of Sorrow. But it's just quite funny. But you can use it against two of the most powerful enemies in the game, called the Iron Golem and the Final Guard, which are basically like giant armor pieces that stand higher than the screen, do like three, four, five hundred damage a hit, and they're so slow, so that you can throw all the curry, and they don't use it uses like one MP if that. You can throw loads of plates of curry and just kill them by exploding curry on the floor really so mm-hmm. yeah um and going with the food theme as well uh portrait of ruin has the sub weapon system which is the one where you swap between the two characters and there's a weapon that's a cream pie um uh, and it's rubbish again and it does like an awkward downward arc but um there is a boss that's weak to the cream pie and if you use it it's really, really powerful against him. It's it, the, the element of it. It's like the only sub weapon that has the dark element on it, and that boss is like the only um, boss that's weak to dark elemental stuff. 
<laughs> but uh, the most effective of all weapons, the, the power of pi. The power of pi. The power of pi is good. Um, but I think. Do you have any other suggestions or? Um, I think I think we we've run the gamut with this episode. <laughs> I do. I think we've come up with some really good suggestions, and I'd say thanks very much, everyone, for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this episode as a nice follow-up to ultimate weapons um say if you're ever in a final boss then just grab your umbrellas and things and i'm sure you'll be okay but um mm-hmm. anyway just for kind of housekeeping things um so next week we're currently in the middle of our september october game journal digital devil saga and next week we'll see part two of that so i believe peter you're on those episodes and hopefully i mean if you played them before or um, I actually haven't. This is, well, I've, I've, that's not true. I tried playing Digital Devil Saga on the PS3, but um, uh, the, the, that emulation is a little iffy. Okay. So I'm uh, considering this a first-time playthrough. <laughs> I think so. That's fair. Um, but yeah, I've never played Digital Devil Saga, so um, I'm definitely interested in those episodes. I'll be catching up with episode one. Episode two is out next week, so keep an eye out for that one um november though so we are planning something a little bit different it's kind of a site-wide thing um that we're doing but we're not going to be having a game journal so no two-parter we're going to have four individual episodes and they're all going to be based along a month-long feature that we're going to be doing on rpg fan which we are really excited for we're right in the middle of planning and prepping for it now it's a bit hectic on the site but it's going to be worth it we're really excited to show you what we've got and really excited to show you what retro encounters got in um ready for you so please look forward to those and after episode 100 uh we now know that in december uh breath of fire 4 will be the game of the month so super happy <laughs> about that yeah i know i beat vagrant story i'm sorry <laughs> uh, it's all right <laughs> uh, but yeah no i will probably be tagging along for those because it's been 16 years since i played them uh that one and please look forward to that one so in terms of getting hold of you peter where can we find you uh, as always, you can uh, find me. I'm at I have Fury on Twitter. Uh, same as my forum handle, which you can reach me there, or preferably email me PeterT at RPGFan.com. Okay, cool emails. So yeah, you can find me on Twitter at, at Alana Hagues. Um, on the boards, I'm Diving Falcons, and also if you want to email me, um, Alana H at RPGFan.com. But in terms of the podcast, um, we would really, really like to hear from you all the time. You can email us at retro encounter, retro at rpgfan.com, sorry, uh, where Mike Salosi will be manning the inbox, replying to your emails. Um, please email him to play Kingdom Hearts because there is now a forum thread about it. So, you know, just yes, kind of please, back it up. Please talk Mike into playing Kingdom Hearts. I want to hear his screams. <laughs> <laughs> he won't hate it as much. He doesn't hate it as much as he does anyway, but he's not going to hate it too much. It's quite it's fun um so yeah you can email us or always talk to us on the forums if you've got a handle on there we'd love to hear your thoughts recommendations for episodes just kind of thoughts about past and present episodes that have been on really really love to hear from you and of course what's more important is that you leave us feedback on any of your listening devices so google play itunes anything like that we'll always love five star reviews but absolutely anything is welcome we really love to hear from you your participation is important as shown by the episode 100 poll and we really you mean a lot to us so thanks for sticking around for over 100 episodes now and i can't quite believe that we're getting towards 110 already um we'll still be going for a long time i think and really thanks very much for listening to this episode um say if you want to get in touch please do and we will see you on the next episode where we'll be playing digital devil saga thanks very much Bye.